well, 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 welcome to the Purple Stuff Podcast. Starring Jay from the Sexy Armpit and Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. So it looks like we're starting Halloween off strong. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff out already. Yeah, the Halloween season is officially kicked off. Thank you, by the way. No, you're welcome. <laughs> I waved my wands. <laughs> yeah, you definitely did. Mm-hmm. And there's a ton of stuff magically uh, that has appeared all over the shelves. <laughs> so I have to say, like, I know that you found some stuff and I've seen plenty of pictures online. It's a fucking drought over here. I haven't seen jack shit on Staten Island. Nothing, you know, nothing at all. I've seen like candy corn and fun size Milky Way. That is it. I know what you're saying because you look at what you see on Twitter and social media and all of a sudden you go to the stores and you can't find this stuff and it really pisses you off. Yeah, like someone on Twitter is like, oh my God, my local Target, they're giving away 24 karat gold Count Chocula pendants free with every box. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? We don't even have the cereal here. <laughs> But I have seen other stuff. I've seen the Apple Jacks and the Fruit Loops. Yeah, and you've new... already gotten the entire trio of the new pumpkin spice cereals. I saw it on your Instagram. I went to like 10 different stores to find the Cheerios. Yeah, well, they're, they're a hot ticket item this year. I know. And there's other stuff, too. You were just telling me about one of your items that is exciting you. Oh, yes. Well, we were just informed by somebody that they are doing the Cheetos Bag of Bones in a big, spicy, fiery, hot version. Blazing. That's what are they like? Flaming. Flaming. Yeah, they're from hell, actually. Oh, they're shit, baked that's in awesome. hell. <laughs> they're like Cheetos paws from hell. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we got caramel apple pop tarts lurking around somewhere. They've been out, right? They've been out previously. No, that's oh? I believe that's new. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, of all the flavors they could have done that they hadn't done before, I can't say that caramel apple would have been top in my list, but it's nice to see them trying again. We've got Pop-Tarts up the ass. That's exactly how I term it. <laughs> We've got the Spooky-licious or whatever you call those Pop-Tarts. Those are the best, yep. I mean, the best tasting things in the history of food. I don't understand why more people aren't like, you know what? Fuck everything else. <laughs> fuck the Monster Cereals. Fuck uh, Frosted Flakes. Anything. Yeah. Just give me piles and piles of Spooky-licious Pop-Tarts. And I love that you come out and you definitively promote them because you're not always 100% behind things. Like, you'll you'll definitely be in favor of something if it's Halloween style. But these, you are unabashedly... Well, in general, my mantra is, like, to just sort of stay neutral because you don't get in trouble when you're neutral. Right. But in this case, I, I got to call it like I see it. Those, yeah, those motherfucking spooky delicious Pop-Tarts are, like, you eat them and you put them on your tongue and it feels like you're you're doing someone. <laughs> yeah, i'm glad they're back and then they also have the uh, caramel apple coming out too as well which I, I mean i don't know how that sounds to you but to me i hear caramel apple pop tarts and i'm just like i'm such a casual pop tart eater that and by casual, I mean once every 12 years. As, a, as opposed to uh, all the hardcore <laughs> Pop-Tart eaters. Yeah, well, I'm sure there are. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. All right. So what do we have tonight on the Purple Stuff podcast, Matt? 
Um, I <laughs> music, I think, right? We're doing music. We're doing music, and we've done music before. Spooky songs. Yes. Part three. Yeah, actually, if you listen to the other two, which are available to listen to wherever fine podcasts are downloaded, mm -hmm. you could check out what we picked for you the past couple of times. Get yourself ready, and then we'll have a whole bunch more on the show tonight for you. We're going to do 10 in all, right? We're going to do 10, and we've both come up with quite a mix this evening. Right. These are all songs that are on our own playlists. There's no paid placement here on the Purple Stuff Podcast. It would be nice if there was. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine like Blue Oyster Cult? Just like, guys. <laughs> Who's going first, Jay? I think you should go first since I always go first. <laughs> All right. All we right. seem to trade that barb every single week. But all right. <laughs> Spooky songs. Number one. First pick is the Unsolved Mysteries theme. Ooh. Okay, I know you're kind of faking it because we've talked about Unsolved Mysteries so many times on the show. Well, not even just the show. I mean, you talk about Unsolved Mysteries like 24-7. <laughs> Jay, you doing anything Saturday? Because I want to talk about Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> this is one of your secret loves. Not secret, it's not secret. I'm, it's unabashed, and I, I take great pride in my affinity for Mr. Stack and his collection of spooky stories. <laughs> I was a big fan of the show, but I don't think it would have been worth half as much without that music. Yeah, it's a great theme song. Yeah, I mean, is it just me, or is that like pretty clearly inspired, or at least informed by like the most iconic horror movie themes? Oh, like, it feels like so much like a Halloween or an Exorcist blend. And they needed it to be that way because every once in a while you might have had an episode that was so-so and it still put that show over the top. Right, we, we've, we've so. been through this before, but Unsolved Mysteries wasn't all ghosts and goblins. Right. Like sometimes you were just helping Harry find his long <laughs> fucking lost twin in Detroit. <laughs> and there's like testimonials from his family as if, oh, Harry really deserves to find his twin. <laughs> like, like, like he's applying for a job or something. <laughs> it's like, no, he's either out there or he isn't. Yeah, I mean, and like you said, sometimes they weren't scary, but man, you heard that song, it really put you in the mood. This is one of the few pieces of music that to this day still has the power to make me feel like uneasy. Really? I'll listen to, let's say, the Halloween score, the original one, which is yeah. fucking amazing. Right. And I'm intellectually aware that it's a scary sort of arrangement, mm -hmm. but it doesn't make me want to like lock the door or turn on the lights. Right. If I'm home alone with Unsolved Mysteries and that music's on, I'm like looking around like, all right, who's in here with me? What is going to fucking kill me in a minute? <laughs> and it does fit well with uh, like a Halloween playlist. Because if say someone's not even familiar with the show or has never seen it, it still works. You want something that's on the playlist that's more just absolutely haunting than up and goey. 
It's right. like if all you wanted to do is just tap your toes, listen to 101.5. Like you need songs on there that are going to freak you out. With Robert Stack, someone should do a remix with him saying some creepy stuff yeah. over it. T -t Tonight on Solve Mystery. Number two. was Blue Oyster Cult with Don't Fear the Reaper. Ah, a very unusual pick. <laughs> From 1976. <laughs> yeah. And for many of us, this song has always been associated with Halloween because it was in the movie Halloween. Right, and plus it's like it's one of the few undeniably spooky songs that gets regular play on the radio or whatever. Right. So it's, you mean, you're not going to hear most of our picks listening to the old rock station. And, of course, the rest of the people who aren't really familiar with it from back in the 70s and 80s, they know it from SNL. All right, Christopher Walken and the cowbell thing. I got a fever. <laughs> and the only prescription is more cowbell. <laughs> that bit is classic with Will Ferrell playing the cowbell. And I, it's just that made it even more popular than it ever was. Right. Know? But at the same time, it kind of neutralized its bite. Exactly. Because like, now instead of picturing the Grim Reaper like coming at me, I'm picturing Christopher Walken in, in a laugh track. Yeah, and Will Ferrell with the tight shirt coming right, up. Right, right, right. Uh, muffin top. <laughs> but, you know, there is a whole mystique about the song because the lyrics are about like Romeo and Juliet and love and all this stuff, but then meeting again after they're dead. And so it is kind so of it's a, a love song, is it? It's a love song and it's sad and it's very grim. But it's taken on different tones because over the years, you could see how it has tied in with Halloween and stuff. And even in my research, I was reading that Stephen King cited the song as an inspiration for The Stand. And it appears as the theme song for the miniseries. This song gets around. Yeah. It even makes its way onto those like 599 CDs at Party City. Like it's just everywhere. And if you're trying to have like a rave or a Halloween dance party with lasers and ecstasy, there's a cover song by Apollo 440, and you could picture that song. Oh, as, shit. Well, uh, yeah. Mind if I write that <laughs> yeah, down? Yeah, you should. Okay, I should write that down. Yeah, for your next rave party, oh, like no. in Freddy versus Jason in, mm -hmm. in the cornfield. <laughs> All right, yeah. Thank you. So can we just talk about the name of this band? Sure. Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the coolest fucking thing I've ever heard. Is it? I don't know if I was going to come up with a name for some weird band, it'd probably be Blue Oyster Cult. Oh, that's what you would pick. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's only two things that could be. It's either a fucking band or it's like an underground seafood shanty that isn't on the map. <laughs> there may have been a, a seafood shanty in Long Island where the band was based out of. Yes, they probably played there multiple times before they broke big with their creepy song about death. And I think Blue Oyster Cult was a better name than their original name, which was Soft White Underbelly. Is that true? That's also sort of a clammy sort of <laughs> term, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. Like you could see ordering the soft under white belly tuna at a sushi restaurant. 
Number three. From the Fat Boys, that was Are You Ready for Freddy? Yes. <laughs> so last year, you picked Nightmare on My Street by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Right. And I think at the time, we both said that it was the better of the two 1988 Freddy Krueger songs. Right. But I've been listening to this one a little more lately, and I'm not so sure that's true. The battle between these two songs is just going to go on forever. It really yeah. is. I mean, look, look, I'm happier to just say that they're both fucking great because they are. And it's not about saying this one's better than this one, so the second place one sucks. They're both yeah. awesome. Yeah. But what I like more about this one, I think, is how raw it is. Mm -hmm. Like, this song, it just has, like, a rougher flavor. It feels like a live performance that was turned into, a, like, a produced song. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Am, you with, am I putting way too much into the artistic execution of a Freddy Krueger song? <laughs> well, I would say so. Like, the, the first 16 words of the song are Freddy. Well, repetition is key. <laughs> I will say the thing that they have going for this is that it was the official song. Right, and they got Robert England because it was. When you're comparing both of these songs, the DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince version, what they had going for it was that they sampled the actual Nightmare on Elm Street theme song. Wait a you minute. Know? So look, look, all right. I understand that it's cool that they sampled the theme song, but you're comparing sampling a theme song with actually having Freddy Krueger in your song. Right. I was about to say is that they had the actual theme song and the Fat Boys had Freddy. Right. So there's like, it's a, you know, you got Well, I mean, you know that lady statue who has the two scales? Yes. I mean, she's going to look like she's doing a fucking flamenco. That's because they're, they're the fat boys. They collectively weighed like... <laughs> that has nothing to do with the fat boys' weight. <laughs> so I just got to say, you brought up that Freddie was part of the song, the real Freddie, Robert England. And I've noticed something with him playing this character is that when he's not actually performing it for the movie, mm -hmm. he is so much more into it. Yes, <laughs> and, and, and that's not a knock on his performances in the movies because they're great. But when you see him like doing like a little MTV bit or in this music video here or fucking oh, on yeah. an interview there, he's like, I don't want to take this off. I want to stay in this makeup forever. Yeah, he's he's really hamming it up. Yeah, like give him a microphone and some fucking lyrics and maybe let him do some card tricks. He will never <laughs> stop being Freddy if that was his role. <laughs> there's one part i don't know if you've seen the video <laughs> he's like doing the bangles dance yeah there's one part of the video where freddie actually does the i dream of genie thing where he That's puts his hands his arms together and yes he, <laughs> and he like bounces his head back I'm like I'm, i watched it today i'm like why am i why am i not seeing this in gift form like every fucking morning i know <laughs> it's ridiculous but they do film that video like right on the set of the house i was gonna ask you because you're usually you do more trivia research than i do so yeah. Watching the video, I'm like, this has got to be the legit movie prop because there's no way they made all of this for the music video. I don't know if it's the actual house, but I know. No, but it's it's a, it's a set from yeah. the movie for right. sure. Yeah, which I thought was actually really cool. And I would say since it is the definitive version and sanctioned and everything, you kind of want to give it the edge. But then again, <sighs> Nightmare on My Street is still better, I think. 
That's because you just love Will Smith. <laughs> That's all this is. Number four. Okay, Matt, that was Fast Way with Stand Up. <laughs> now, Stand Up is a legendary song to many of us who are familiar with the movie Trick or Treat from 1986. <laughs> Here we go. All right. <laughs> Someone get the fucking Marble Notebook started. That's one reference this year for Sammy Kerr. I didn't actually remember the song by name. So I Googled it before we, when I was like prepping. And the first like, thing that comes oh, up is a big fuck. picture of Sammy Carr. I'm like, of course, of course, this is why Jay picked it. I mean, like, we're bound to sort of go in the same avenues as we have in the past. There's not a time that I could skip a chance to talk about Trick or Treat. Right. I mean, one of my favorite movies ever. And the whole soundtrack is really good. But this song, the intro guitar riff, it's like my first whiff of Halloween when I put that track on. Yeah, I can see that. And it opens the movie up, and it pays tribute to Rock's Chosen Warrior, Sammy <laughs> Kerr. <laughs> and, I think like, you have to take two shots if you go full Monty on Rock's Chosen Warrior. Yeah. <laughs> you got to crank this shit from now until Halloween, I'm telling you. Sammy and Skippy Handelman stand up. Oh, it's outstanding. <laughs> Sammy and Skippy. So is this what people mean when they say a song is sort of cock rock? I would say this was cock rockish, yes. But yeah. it, this was like, yeah, this was the anthem of the movie. Last year, I picked Trick or Treat, which was the song that Sammy Kerr plays uh, on at the dance on Halloween. <laughs> How could I forget that? <laughs> what he's shooting lasers from his guitar. Yeah. I love how the guy singing the song, like his voice is so high that it actually sounds like more guitar chords. It like he's like it actually sounds like he's playing his lyrics because it it's, it's so high pitched. I've got something to tell you. Something you can deny. His voice is an instrument. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but when I hear that opening guitar riff on my Halloween playlist in the car, I'm like, oh, man, this is it. You Where know, I was it... going to say, when I listened to it, it struck me as being exactly the kind of song you would hear in your car. <laughs> like, I can totally picture you bopping your head and singing along and being totally oblivious as you're driving over the solid white lines. <laughs> I'm not that bad. <laughs> no. Half hour drive, 36 solid white lines driven over. <laughs> Well, I, I owned a piece of that highway. I donated, and I actually owned a piece of I could ride over it if yeah. I want. <laughs> Might as well get yours. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get my shit in. Oh, man. Spitting coffee was one thing. Spitting coffee into my surge protector. I don't know. Oh. Mm. 
Number five. This is one of those Matt can't fucking pronounce anything song titles on our own. Triple O from Bobby Brown. <laughs> Triple O. Triple O from Bobby Brown. The hit song <laughs> that was part of the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack in 1989. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, there's nothing really all that Halloween y about most of the song. Right. That's actually why I'm picking it because your playlist doesn't have to be all these like on the nose choices that are just screams and synth and like heartbeat sound effects. Yeah, and it has a lot to do with Ghostbusters. I mean, there's lyrics about Vigo and stuff like right, that. Right, but so, I mean, yeah. I think it's sort of it's more noted, I think, as a hit Bobby Brown song than a hit Ghostbusters song. Yeah, I would agree with that. Even though the video, which is, I know it came out in 89. I guess it, I'm pretty sure it came out in 89 at least. Yeah. It's the most 90s thing in history. <laughs> it it's is. New York City, and all you see are these giant screens over the buildings, and they're either of Bobby Brown dancing in his full fucking ensemble yep. or Slimer. Yeah, Slimer. It looks like, if you watch it on mute, it looks like every Fox interstitial from the early 90s. It's exactly the one that's going to tell you what's coming on next. And every... Maybe every other shot. Bobby Brown's ripping his jacket off his shoulders. Yeah. You, ever, you notice that? <laughs> yeah, it's like he decided that's his one move. That's I mean, his he's like favorite. fucking Brock Lesnar in the suplex. <laughs> the video is ridiculous how they totally intercut all these um, cameos, just random cameos. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Donald Trump. Yeah, Donald Trump and Jane Curtin. And Christopher Reeve was riding a bike. Oh, oh God, I totally forgot. You're right. Yeah, it's it's just... what was the what, what were they saying exactly? I guess they were going for like people who played around New York, even though Superman technically didn't play around in New York. Yeah, like the Ramones were in it. It was all New York people, so I thought that was actually pretty cool. I feel like Bobby Brown as an artist and a performer, he was such a talented guy, and he's never going to get as much credit as he should. Like, right? I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. This song, I mean, this isn't just some good for a novelty song. This is really, really good. It is. And I always get you pumped up. Like I listen to this and I find myself moving. I don't fucking move for nothing. (laughs) I I feel like if I could have a quarter of the abilities that Bobby Brown has, like I would love it. He was the man. And even with the slanted box haircut, like I wish I, if that was socially acceptable, I would do that. Yeah. You totally would. I'm I'm actually surprised that you didn't. (laughs) In fact, is this sort of like your like halfway confession that you did? No, I never did. I wish I could have. Yeah, well, there's still time. <laughs> and Bobby Brown, of course, showed up in Ghostbusters too. Right, and that was a bit of a ham-fisted cameo. But to be fair, there were some ham-fisted cameos in the new movie too. Yeah, but I, I gotta say, I, I popped pretty big when I when I saw him in that. I'm like, holy shit, that's Bobby Brown. Yeah. Did you tell? Did you like look back in the theater and tell him to rewind? <laughs> yeah. I think I was the only one that excited though that yeah. he had that one line. <laughs> It almost felt like it was a song that they sort of shoehorn the Ghostbusters kind of vibe into it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll give him credit. When he finally got to the Ghostbusters, he went all in. Like he he's did. practically reading you the script in Bobby Brown lyric form. <laughs> it was. It's so good though. French so... bread pizza. <laughs> 
yeah, we could make up for our own uh, third verse. Yeah, we'll save that for next week. <laughs> oh, man, that's classic. I love that song. Bobby Brown with Triple O. Number six. That was Gerard McMahon with Cry Little Sister from the Lost Boys soundtrack. Yes, that is perfect. This is one of those atmospheric tracks that opens up the Lost Boys movie. And the camera is panning over the ocean, the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. And then we see the pier and the vampires are hanging out on the carousel and they're getting into some shit with a couple that are on the carousel. (laughs) Yeah, but the thing is, like, it's that movie opens like... Oh, yeah, it immediately sets the tone, a scary tone to that movie. So good. I saw this in the theater with my sister. Right from there, I was like, oh, my God, I'm already creeped out, and nothing even happened yet. Right, it's so perfect. It just sets the tone so well. And I feel like, I'm so glad you picked this, because I feel like people enjoy it in the movie, but don't necessarily listen to it much outside of it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not one that you would, like, rock out to, you know, in your car or anything because it's kind of got, like, a downbeat, but it really does have a cool breakdown, and it gets very scary in the middle. Actually, to me, it feels like Nine Inch Nails and Depeche Mode mixed together, which is probably why I like it so much. Yeah, it's almost like, like a downbeat Black Sabbath or Ozzy, even. Like, it's just got that kind of vibe. Yeah, it's sort of like, a, you know, like you said, a downbeat Ozzy, but mixed with a little bit of church choir. Yeah, the the young girl choir singing Thou Shalt That's more like, those were the days. All of the family or Lost Boys? As sung by the teacher at the Peanuts. <laughs> yeah, so I love that song. And Lost Boys is obviously an awesome movie and it has an awesome soundtrack. And I think I picked Lost in the Shadows on a previous episode. Mm-hmm. This one, though, deserves to be on the list as well, even probably more. I don't even think I would think of this song to put on, like, the Ultimate Halloween album. Mm-hmm. And it's so fitting, for one, that I'm, that's why I'm so glad you brought it up, because I feel like people are going to be like, oh, he's right. Why the fuck am I listening to Monster Mash when this is out there? <laughs> Some people might not even know this song, but and, and if that's the case, there's a few covers out there. And uh, in one instance, uh, I read about Eminem. He sampled the track on one of his songs called You're Never Over. And uh, D. Snyder covered the song on Oculus Infernum, which is one of his albums that he did for Halloween. Yeah. L.A. Guns even covered it, too. So it's definitely got a cult following. Yeah. I don't know any of those bands, but yes. <laughs> well, you know Eminem. <laughs> well, who's in that? <laughs> who's in that band? Who's in that band, Eminem? <laughs> 
It's the two M and M's. The yeah. uh... hey, hey, blue peanut. We're in a situation. <laughs> Number seven. I saw a werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand. Walking through the streets of Soho in the rain. He was looking for the place called Lee Ho Fuchs. Gonna get a big dish of beef chow mein. My next pick is Werewolves of London by Warren Zevon. <laughs> now that's a classic. Yeah, it's from 1978, and I love this song. Mm. I'm not good at reading symbolism, so I don't know if more was meant by the lyrics. But if you take it at face value, it's just this happy song about werewolves ordering Chinese food, killing people. <laughs> I did, you know, when I when I saw that you were picking this, that's the first thing I said. He's picking this because they talk about Chinese food. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Low main, baby. Yeah, he's talking about, like, how there's a werewolf in New York, and he's going around trying to eat people's Chinese food. <laughs> right. I mean, if it not for the werewolf part, it could have been a song about me. <laughs> So I know Jack of Staten Island. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. So the great thing about this song is that it's so lyrically bizarre. Yeah. But the guy sings everything with such a cool confidence. Mm -hmm. Like you just think the song must be a lot smarter than you are. It's a very happy song. He's chilled out. And he's yeah, so like casual about it. It's like he's saying this, you know, werewolf, a trade of Vicks, perfect hair. And you're like, well, there's got to be something to that because he wouldn't be saying it with such confidence if there wasn't. Yeah, it was definitely like. Maybe a sign of the times. Maybe he was saying that all the dudes looked like werewolves because they were all hairy and had long beards and stuff. Really? <laughs> I don't like know. An odd thing to write a song about. It's, I have no idea. But yeah, it is kind of strange. See, it's weird because I love the song, but at the same time, it almost makes me feel stupid because I feel like I don't get it. Well, I don't get it at all. It's like when the used car dealership uses Born in the USA in their Independence <laughs> Day commercial. And like, if you know better, you're like, oh, you fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. So what am I missing about Werewolves of London? Other than the fact that he mentions werewolves, mm -hmm. it does not sound like a song you'd have on your Halloween playlist, you know? Well, yes, yes. But I mean, it does open with werewolves howling. Let's, let's, that, that's let's true. be fair here. That's true. I used to work in rock radio. I used to play the shit out of this song, yeah. you know, and I would say, all right, I hear this like once a week. I don't necessarily put it on my Halloween plays, but I could see why you would. Well, here's the thing. You would put it on because say you're having like a party and you have one CD going with your Halloween playlist. You need a song that's good for when everyone's making their drinks. Yeah. And this is the one where I could see everyone at the kitchen counter sort of bopping along while they're <laughs> squeezing lemons into glasses and things like that. <laughs> 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 Where <Werewolf. laughs> <Werewolf. laughs> oh. Number eight.
That was Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Trick or Treat. Yes. I can't say I'm surprised that you're bringing up Elvira. Well, surprisingly, Elvira has a pretty deep catalog of Halloween she songs. She does. You wouldn't think yeah. it by looking at her, but <laughs> yeah, she does. You think like, oh, yeah, she's cut a couple of novelty tracks here and there. But this is one of those tracks that has never officially appeared on any of these compilations. It's never been actually released. Why um, is that now? I don't know. She's performed it on her show, and the Dr. Demento radio show played it a few times. And it always kind of pisses people off because there's no official version. But on YouTube, you could find like two or three different versions. One of the performances she has out there actually has Paul Rubens and John Paragon. You know, Paul Rubens is Pee Wee. Yes, yes. John Paragon is Jombie. And they were collaborators with her because they all started out in the Groundlings together. Oh, I didn't know any of this. Yeah, it's yeah. It's all news to me. And just so if anybody doesn't know Jombie, Wish, did somebody say Wish? Mm, yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote the song. He wrote this song? Yeah. Is there and... anything that bodiless genie can't do? <laughs> when I hear it, it really puts me in the Halloween mood. All her songs do, but I would say this one and last year I chose Monster Rap, which is awesome. Yeah. But something like Monster Rap, which I actually prefer, yeah. does come off like a novelty song. Right. The thing yeah. about this one is that it feels like Elvira when she was still playing at, like, bowling alley bars. Yeah. Why was she wearing what she was wearing, by the way? <laughs> well, there's two versions. The original version, she's totally, like, 1984, she's elvira up. But then after that, the 1985 version... She's got this kind of like shimmery dresses. I guess that's what you're talking about. Yeah, that's the one I mean. I mean, look, I guess it maybe was a little bit like a mummy, but it's still, to me, it came off like denim and very girl next door like. <laughs> yeah. Like you kept, you were sitting there, you're hearing this song, but you're expecting her to sing Circle in the Sand. Like it's just <laughs> not, there's something incongruous about the look. Yeah, it was like Pat Benatar, Bonnie Tyler type uh, dress. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's people out there who are not as familiar with this one because it's not available like commercially. Right. So it definitely check out YouTube for this because it's it is great and it definitely belongs on your Halloween playlist. And since it's on so few right now, you'll look like you really put some work into it. Yeah, there you go. Elvira, trick or treat. Number nine. Okay, don't kill me, but my last pick is the old Dungeon of Doom theme from World <laughs> Championship Wrestling. I can't say. I think it's a great pick. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> look, here's the thing. Last year, I picked one of the Undertaker's themes. Which was great. Yeah, and I know people might think this is sort of a dead horse, but in my view, this and that are only two of, like, maybe 30 mainstream wrestling themes yeah. that are perfect for a Halloween playlist. Yeah. Do not overlook this genre just because you don't care about WrestleMania. There is gold in here. Right. So let's talk about the Dungeon of Doom, Jay. Let's do it. They were a stable of, like, literal monster wrestlers mm -hmm. who joined forces to destroy Hulk Hogan. <laughs> they they hung out in, like, what was either a cave or the entrance to a really fancy Polynesian <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> and their entrance theme was this, like, subtle, synthy thing. <laughs> subtle. <laughs> it was subtle subtle synthy thing 
that was i mean it wasn't the kind of song that got fans on their feet but i guess that was the point they wanted people to understand that these weren't wrestlers these were creepy creatures right now the thing is i never got past kevin sullivan's accent <laughs> yeah he was, he was from boston right i don't know but i think i think it's from boston or something something oh. like that he's got he's definitely got that like big northern accent yeah so he's it, like hulk hogan <laughs> me and my monster friends here we're gonna get you it you always, can't stop us <laughs> and i'd be remiss not to mention some of the dungeon's finest warriors <laughs> I, I know where you're going there was the shark who walked to the ring while making a surrogate shark fin over his head with his hand Mm-hmm. You know, like you actually put your hands over your head to do a shark fin. This yeah. is how he's trying to sell the audience on him being an actual shark. <laughs> how else would you do it? Yeah, well, yeah, he's like, <laughs> go out there and you act like a shark. The only other way is to say, hey, I'm a shark. Well, I mean, his his, his tights did say that. It just said shark yeah. on them. Uh, there was also Kamala, who carried a giant spear and was pitched as a headhunter. Yeah. And then there was a man named Zodiac. Zodiac, yes. Mm, he dressed oh. sort of like a banshee zebra. Right. And he could only say yes or no. Yeah. Do you, Jay, know who played the Zodiac? I do. I do, yeah. Tell the audience. Brutus the Barber. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, yes. A totally organic mention of Brutus the Barber Beefcake. No, it was not telegraphed at all. Yeah, I mean, I just lucked into it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I didn't save the Dungeon of Doom theme for my last pick for any special reason. (laughs) Number 10. And that was Rose Tint My World from the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Matt. Mm-hmm. For people who like good deals, this is a bargain. This is three songs for the price of one. Oh, so you're not you're really picking like the whole schmear. Yeah, the whole schmear. Oh, the whole schmear, okay. This one track is actually three tracks in one, okay? So it's the floor show. Uh, and then you move into the next part, which is the fanfare, Don't Dream It, Be It. And yes, then finally awesome. you end up with Wild and Untamed Thing. But it's this spectacle. It's this epic kind of finale. This is the pinnacle for me of this show. Right. And they're like rocket kicking on stage. And there's a giant pool that Tim Curry comes out of. It's like the whole nine yards. It's you totally know? nuts. And it's, you know, total- it's, it's weird, though. For me, though, I almost feel like, I love the songs, but this is the point in the movie where it almost stops being a movie and starts being like an art project. Yeah. Because it gets so bizarre. And it stops like having like a movie's flow. It's just stuff just is happening all the time. 
Yeah, it, it goes way over the top. Yeah. That's why I love it. Because it goes off the rails, but in such a good way. <laughs> so, like, by the time the song's over, the credits are rolling, basically. Yeah, spoiler alert. At the end, Riff Raff and Magenta come out, and they sort of nix the whole thing. Right. Nix the party, you know. You know like, speaking of uh, Edith Bunker voices, <laughs> Riff Raff at that end section. <laughs> Yeah, I just I wanted to end on this also because we're going into the season where we're going to see a Rocky Horror movie on television that's brand new. I have to admit, I haven't been tracking that one myself, but I did see isn't Curry playing uh, uh, yeah. what's the, the, the doctor? The, the doctor. Guy. Yeah, I think Dr. it's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be so cool to see him involved in that again. Right. And they got the blessing from Richard O'Brien. So the blessing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do feel like this is just such a perfect ending to that to that movie. Right. And the thing is, like, if you put this one song on your playlist, you really don't even need to put any other songs because it's like 15 minutes long. With that said, that brings us to the end of the Purple Stuff podcast. The end? Almost. We still have to do that thing we do. Yeah. That me pick one of yours and you pick one of mine thing. That whole pick gimmick. Yeah, yeah that whole pick, that whole let's kill five more minutes gimmick. <laughs> All righty, here we go. I'm going to pick the best, the objective best of your themes for a Halloween playlist. Okay, so by that you mean what which the, ones, pop, which what ones... the population would prefer? Let's say that someone's starting from scratch. Yep. Which one of your songs has to be on there no matter what? Got it. I'm going to not pick uh, BOC, Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah. I'm not going to pick Rocky Horror. I'm not going to pick Fast Way just to spite you. <laughs> and that brings it down to Elvira or that Lost Boys song. Uh-huh. And I'm going to have to say sorry. Sorry, Elvira. Ooh. But that weird, chanty, gothy, crazy <laughs> song has got to be on the CD. I really do think that's a good pick. And I can totally see it on everybody's playlist. How about you? Okay, for yours, let's see. We've had uh, Dungeon of Doom. <laughs> I don't think that one stands much of a chance. Are you ready for Freddy? And uh, we're woo! <laughs> and Bobby Brown. Yep. Am I missing any? Uh, did you mention the Unsolved Mysteries theme? I actually think that would be my choice. Really? Yeah, that would be my choice because it's got a cool, spooky vibe to it. You know what? You just gave me a golden opportunity right here. Do you mind if I take it? Take it. So I picked the Unsolved Mysteries theme, and I meant the intro theme. Yeah. But there also could be a strong case made for the ending theme. Yes. Which is a lot slower and a lot spookier. And when you're watching that show back in the day, yeah. when that song came on, it left you with such an immense feeling of dread. Like the show would end, and you just sit there on the couch being like, oh, fudge. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I think to prove my point, we're going to let that theme play us off. I think we should. Oh, awesome. Thank you for accommodating me here tonight <laughs> on episode 33 of the Purple Stuff Podcast. You got it. And with that said, we will make our way out of the Dungeon of Doom this <laughs> evening. <laughs> so I'm Jay from the Sexy Armpit. And I'm Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. We'll see you next time. And you are listening to the Burr Burr Burble Stuff Podcast. 